Like he is a sweet and innocent child forever. Yeah. I mean, yeah. he's a big man-sized, hairy 15-year-old. <laughs> he is a child forever. Like just this yeah. morning, he woke up at 4 a.m. <laughs> but he comes in our room and he snuggles in between us. That's all so 250 funny. pounds. <laughs> <laughs> he snuggled between us in bed, just like your kids do when they're like two. Wow. You know? And it's every bit as sweet. Welcome to the Imagine Momcast. Real talk, real Jesus, real fun. Do you ever feel misunderstood as a mom? Do you ever feel overwhelmed like there's just too many things to do and not enough hours in the day? Do you ever feel burnt out like you just need a break from your kids? Or maybe you feel a mom guilt because you just don't spend enough time with them. Whatever it is, How would you like to feel more connected to other people, more understood, more like, hey, she knows what's going on in my life, and she totally gets it, and she totally understands. Besides which, look at all the mistakes she's made. If she's done all that, I guess I'm not that bad of a mom after all. If you want to have more fun and get a really good laugh, then make sure you pick up the book Mom of Six Dies Laughing. It's available available on Amazon, or you can go to imaginemom with an e dot com slash book and pick up your copy today. I guarantee it'll turn you from feeling like the Grinch to feeling great in no time. So happy to be with you all today, and I have an awesome group of people, um, awesome group of moms who are going to talk about their kids who have dealt with all kinds of special needs, and I'm going to jump right in, so let's introduce yourselves. So um, Abby, tell us uh, about your kids, how many you have, and what their ages are, and also how many years you've been parenting. Okay. (laughs) Um, I have four kids. And so I have a 19 year old who is in college. Um, So I've been parenting for 19 years, I guess. (laughs) And then a 16 year old girl um, who has quite a few struggles. Um, And then a 15 year old boy who also has a lot of struggles and a 14 year old girl. So my 15 year old boy is severely autistic. Um, and we've known about his autism since he was very, very young and have definitely walked through fire with him. Um, and then my 14 and 16 year old girls are adopted, uh, through foster care when they were three and five years old. Um, my younger one, the 14 year old has come through it seemingly unscathed anyway. Uh, but my 16 year old has a lot of trauma. Um, and a lot of behaviors that come with that. She's also bipolar and has needed just significant amounts of psychiatric and emotional support the last couple of years here. Awesome. So that's us in a nutshell. Nice. <laughs> All right, Dana, um, tell us about yourself. Well, um, I'm, I'm in a blended family. Mm-hmm. And uh, so we have children that are grown in Arizona, <laughs> Texas. I've got a son now in Japan. And, that's um, cool. It has been, and we've had struggles as a blended family coming together. Um, where do your roles fit? Who do you, who are you in this new family? I have three younger children. Um, our biological son is um, 16, and he has uh, 
autism. Uh, he's on the high end of it. Um, but we've had struggles since we've known about since he's four years old. And so there's been struggles since he's four. Uh, my two youngest ones are from China. Um, and my daughter is now 16 also. So they're only five months apart. Oh, wow. Uh, when we, when we adopted them. So that was an interesting aspect. I don't recommend it. <laughs> <laughs> and my youngest is 12. Um, I, both my uh, two youngest children from China um, ha- are missing their right arms in hand. So we've learned um, how to deal with that. The first child we adopted when she came up and we adopted her, uh, the s- smallest one, our son, who's 12, um, we actually chose him because he was missing right hand, and I'd already started doing that, so it gave mm-hmm. us some experience in that area. Um, our daughter has struggled the last couple of years with depression, and just coming into the fact of what her history means and how it affects her and her life, and um, dealing with the older brother with autism in the house, which can get very loud and very noisy. Um, so that's kind of us. We actually live in Belize. So yeah, not, you're visiting from the states right now. Right, so we don't have all of the help that we used to have that the United States gives oh, where yeah. you can get the medical help. So we're literally on our own out there trying to figure out how to help um, our children. Wow, yeah. Tracy, go ahead. Well, I have um, a daughter who is 20 years old, and she is, well, she's biological, but she's a very strong-willed independent girls so um i can vouch for that (laughs) yeah she worked for you yeah she's amazing (laughs) yeah she does accomplish a lot but she wants to do it on her own and doesn't want input from me um and then i have a 15 year old boy and a nine-year-old boy and they're both adopted and my 15 year old boy he um well he has a diagnosis of adhd um and then he struggles with dyslexia, so um, the processing in school has been really challenging for him. And we've rock- walked through some some hard times with him right now. At 15, believe it or not, I feel like he's in a pretty good place. Yeah, um, sure. Yeah, but we have worked, you know, walked through some pretty hard times with him. My nine-year-old right now, um, he, we're trying to figure out what's going on with him and trying to get help and trying to figure out what we need to do for him. He, you know, with going to the doctor right now, that, you know, he has a diagnosis of conduct disorder. So, but I believe that there's probably like an ADHD or even like a, an, you know, high autism diagnosis possibly in there. So the issue that we're running in with him is just in the last couple of years with, COVID and what's happened with that, um, trying to get help, everybody is is full, and so we can't get in. All the mental health issues have risen to the top. Yeah, <laughs> and so there, everyone there's a waiting list for everything, and so yeah, we're just kind of. I feel like I'm kind of on my own trying to figure out how to help him and what to do and what to do. Wow, next. that's so hard. So. Okay, yeah, so I was going to have you guys kind of just start out with maybe a situation or, or a time, I guess, when your kids, like, you, you, it was maybe one of the first times that you dealt with something and you were just like, whoa, you know, like, what is this? So does anybody have a story from that? 
I'll go. Um, I think the first time we've seen some weird things going on with uh, with our son was when he was um, four. And all of a sudden he didn't walk quite right or his ability to throw was off. And I kept mentioning this to the doctors and they go, no, he looks fine. He looks fine. I'm like, no, something's off. Well, as soon as he went to preschool and she said at this age, he's playing beside the children. He wasn't playing with them. And he wasn't making eye contact. And then when she scolded him, he would just smile and laugh. And she brought it up and says, you know, I think he has autism. And my first reaction was like, I don't think so. You know, something's yeah. going on, but that's not it. Mm-hmm. And um, then I had to look up autistics and see what the things were. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, because one of our biggest issues was putting on socks in the morning. Mm-hmm. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Which, like, every parent on here who has a kid with autism <laughs> is going, yeah. yeah. This is not on perfect. I would think I would have them all dressed and we're about to head out the door. Boom, the socks and everything goes off. <laughs> And this lined up with autistic children. I'm like, oh my gosh, other people had this problem. Right, yeah. I end up having to turn them inside out, cut off the little seams as best as I could, put the socks on. The shoes had to be tied up just so. Mm -hmm. Um, The sensory issues. uh, Major sensory issues. And it kind of lined up with what this teacher said. And so I was coming into the rally and going, okay, my child has something really going on with it. It's not just... You know, us having a little difficulty, there's something medically actually happening here. Mm-hmm. And that reality was just like a slap in the face. And at the same time, gave peace because you can say, oh, oh that's what it is. That's, what's, it. that's yeah. what's going on here. Yeah, I guess that is true. To know would be helpful. Comforting in a way. Yeah. 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 I found it comforting. Mm-hmm. Can you relate to that? Yeah. Our stories are similar, similar and different. Uh, so why at 18 months I took him for his regular checkup and I brought up the concern to his pediatrician that he wasn't talking yet. And she said, Oh, he's a boy. He's got an older sister. You know, he's fine. If he's not talking the next time we see you, then we'll worry about it. Mm -hmm. And then like in the next, you know, week or two, it was like magic. He had like five new words and I thought, Oh, we're good. No problem. Nice. But then um, by about 20 months, I realized he had stopped saying those words and there were no new words coming. Oh, wow. So he kind of had a little bit of language develop and then it went away. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I knew something was wrong. Autism wasn't on my radar screen, but we called uh, First Steps, which is the organization in Missouri that helps um, kids under three that have delays. And they came out and did an evaluation. And I remember the lady like had been asking me a bunch of questions and watching why. And all of a sudden she pulls this sheet of paper out of her, you know, folder. And she starts going through this autism questionnaire. And I thought, oh, sure, lady, you know, you can ask me those questions, but we just got a speech delay here. I'd already felt like I diagnosed him myself. Mm -hmm. And he failed the questionnaire miserably. Oh, and wow. um, I still didn't think, I yeah. thought, well, she can't, you know, say he has autism. She's met him for two, you know, hours. Yes. She wouldn't know. Um, but they started us with some speech therapy and we'd had that going for a little bit. And mm-hmm. at um, just before he was two, um, his speech therapist, who we'd been seeing for a couple of weeks, came over and she sat me down and you know, at this point, we developed a trust and a rapport. And she said, um, you know, I can't diagnose him, but I really think that 
has autism. And like, that was the moment when I knew she was right. I knew she'd been around him enough that, and I knew that she was skilled enough that she, she knew she was wise to it. Um, and I broke down in tears yeah. and cried and cried and cried for hours. Um, oh, wow. And kind of went through an entire mourning process that day. And I think, I don't know if you guys can relate to this, but when you get a diagnosis like that, or you have a kid that's struggling and you know there's something big happening here, you do go through the whole denial, anger, bargaining, like all of that Mm -hmm. stuff. Mm -hmm. And it hit me all within a few hours amount of time, um, which was painful, but it also got me moving, you know, mm-hmm. after that to try to yeah. figure out what do we do from here? Yeah. 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 So. so again, similar in that mm-hmm. it's, it's like a terrible news, but then yes. it's a relief. It is. Cause you know, which direction to kind of go in. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So like kind of opposite to that, maybe Tracy, you could chime in here would be, what about when you, you don't know what's going on. Like just, just to say like mm-hmm. in those situations, it was like a biological child. You, you don't know until it happens, but when, when it's an adopted child, sometimes, and I think Dana, well, all of you as well. Um, but also Dana with you know, an arm missing, obviously, you know, ahead of time. Right. Um, but like, you know, what about when you, you know, ahead of time, supposedly you kind of know maybe, but then you don't know what to do. Like you, you don't know, you know? Yeah. Well, I can just, I'll just go through my youngest, my nine year old, um, you know, cause we had, we've worked with, with our 15 year old. There's, you know, that's a whole different story, but our, our nine year old, um, it was a domestic adoption, but safe haven. And so when you do that, you have, you don't know anything about the history of the, the baby in, in utero. I mean, we knew a little bit that there was like, um, the mom, there was physical abuse going on and drug use. And so what he experienced in utero is probably what we're seeing right now. Um, the trauma from that. Um, I remember at two, two to three months of age, he had, significant night terrors. And if you look at night terrors, they don't, that's not, that's not common. They usually don't start till like a year of age. And so when he was that little and and how did you even know they were night terrors? Well, I mean, I had experienced, I knew what night terrors were Mm -hmm. just with other people. Um, and then as a little baby, it happened almost every night um, at the same time Mm -hmm. and he was sleeping and he would just start crying and screaming and I would go in there and I'd pick him up and he would be completely limp. He was asleep and he was just screaming. So we knew that there was like just a lot of turmoil and what something was going on then. And so I guess that's the beginning of really knowing that there was a significant amount of trauma that oh, wow. this little life went through and that we have to, to work through now. And he, um, I guess just work, he's very, he, he wants to be in control. Um, and if he feels out of control, I, that's when we get to, when we see the defiant and the aggressive behaviors, he was doing really well first and second grade. And then I, I don't know if it was COVID or, just things triggered some things off again. And so now we're back to, 
to those behaviors and trying to figure out how, how to help them. And it could be, you know, just going through a developmental time and processing because he's a very smart boy and he, very smart, very mm-hmm. smart. And he asked a lot of questions about his adoption, his birth mom. So he processes it, um, you know, way different than my 15 year old does. And so, you know, this could be just walking through that, but I don't know how to walk. I need help. I need, you know, outside mm-hmm. people to kind of help me walk through it because when you're in it and you're dealing with it 24 seven, I don't feel like you have the right mindset to be able to come in and, um, take him where he needs to be. Yeah. Because you I, need like kind of an objective. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I need an outside person going, okay, let's, let's do this. Or like he's dealing with this because I'm in the thick of it going, but he just hit me. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, he just kicked me. What do I do with that? Yeah. You yeah. Know? Yeah. And just to give you some context, like Tracy's a, an occupational therapist mm-hmm. and has worked with a lot of, you know, special needs like situations. So it's not like, you know, she doesn't have the know-how, but when you're like in it, Right. And I think it's been cool because I've worked with a lot of kiddos with issues, but then when you're doing it 24 seven, I feel like this has given me just a perspective of like, wow, what are we doing to support Mm -hmm. the the parents that are taking this on? Because when you have issue after issue, you just get exhausted and Mm -hmm. you you seem like you you get something figured out and then something else is triggered. And yeah. And Mm -hmm. so you need a support system for yourself to be able to keep, um, dealing with the stuff to, to bring the kids to health, to, mm-hmm. to help them be successful. You go into like survival it. mode yeah. when you're parenting like that. I mean, we had a, a similar situation with our 16 year old, um, but you do, you go into survival mode and you're trying to survive day to day, moment to moment. And you can't really like step back and look at the bigger picture at right. that point in time. Right. You, you can't even use the tools that you already know no. you know right. how to use. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. yeah. Cause yeah. it's, yeah, I've studied it. I know it. I, you know, yeah. I know the sensory part. I know the trauma part, but when you're in it, you're just like, I need to go to the room and just shut myself away for a bit. Uh-huh. But then you can't because <laughs> the child's not safe. And <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. My, um, my autistic child is now 16. Mm-hmm. And, um, so we are dealing with, hormones of a 16 year old who towers above me mm-hmm. he's at least five to six inches taller than I am now yeah and so when uh, we come in now you have to really pick my battles carefully mm-hmm. because yes I've been thrown against a mm-hmm. cabinet broke a mirror mm-hmm. you know so you have to pick your battles really cautiously because um, autistic kids go from zero to a hundred mm-hmm. in a split second mm-hmm. and so where another child you might be able to talk down this one's already at the top of its level there ain't uh, no talking at this point yeah, yeah you know yeah so you're in, in a crisis mode immediately and like she like Tracy said um, being in that crisis mode day in, day out, some of the tools mm-hmm. just, they go out of your head. And yeah. it's, how do I survive this particular thing? And how do we get through this particular thing? And I can tell you it gets ugly mm-hmm. um, because a lot of times if you're already worn out, now you're on their level and you're screaming just as much as they are. Right. Yeah. And this is not hap- helping. The whole My whole house, one, my daughter, she runs to her room. She closes, shuts down. Mm-hmm. This affects her emotionally. Um, She can't deal with it. So it's not that it just affects you and the child. It affects our marriage. No, no, my husband turns around and talks to me. I'm already in a snapping mood. Mm -hmm. And um, 
we're all nodding. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, you know, it's funny though, cause I was saying, uh, before I think we started that, you know, I don't know if my, none of my kids have like been diagnosed with anything. I don't think they would be classified necessarily as special needs as per se, you know, although I may, like I said, have some like ADHD floating in there, probably very likely <laughs> and possibly some other things. But, you know, I mean, we have the same similar problems, you know, where things uh-huh. just like escalate and then you, it's just such a mess. So many, I mean, I shouldn't say so many, but definitely regrets, you know, of situations where oh, yeah. it's like, oh, if I had only you know, because in the heat of the moment, you're just you're not if only in. No, <laughs> no, unfortunately, yeah, you're kind of out of your mind. <laughs> yeah. So, what are some things that, like, maybe you did, uh, like, earlier on that helped that ended up being helpful? That you know, we went to a therapist who deals with autistic children. Was that when you were in the United States? We were in the United States, and that was my biggest help. Children's Mercy had an awesome lady. And um, she did give us some tools that worked really well. My favorite tool for an autistic child was um, the color paper. Red zone, blue zone, green zone, or yellow zone and green zone. Hmm. Red is not necessarily a bad zone. It's just you um, might, might not be appropriate for that level of emotion. It's a very high emotion, okay. so at the end of your scale. The blue zone was to show them that they're sad. Green zone is just kind of a normal... Uh, calming, you're calm. The yellow is you're just starting to move into you're irritated. And what we did with it that helped, um, autistic children don't usually do eye contact. What they do like is whatever, they thrive on whatever strong emotion you give back. So if they can irritate a child, a sibling, knock them over, they scream, there's a feedback. And that mm-hmm. feedback helps Feed them, actually. It's, I don't know how to explain it any better than that. <laughs> so, so what we did is I took pictures of us, and I put a magnet on the back of them. So when I put the chart on it, um, I would ask the children, where are you on here? And then I was able to – he couldn't see it in my face, but I could take him to the chart. And I said, look, I am moving to the red zone. Mm-hmm. I am in the blue zone. You need to back off. Mm-hmm. You are already in the red zone. This is not a red zone situation. Mm-hmm. This is maybe a yellow zone, but we're in red zone, and I'm headed there right with you. Mm-hmm. And, and he could look at it and go, oh, she's in the blue zone. Oh, that's a bad thing for mom to be in, or not blue, but yellow zone or red zone. And mm-hmm. I'm headed to the red zone. I'm not calm anymore. I'm not in the blue. Mm-hmm. And so to see our pictures, because oh. to see our he couldn't look at your face and know where you're at. Oh, okay. Autistic child really can't see what emotions you're going through. They don't understand them. They don't understand their own. And so by showing them on this scale, I'm here, I'm here. Mm-hmm. And we would play with this all day long. You want to play with it when they're calm and having fun. And oh, neat. It so that everybody gets to looking at this chart. And I'd say that was our best tool that was given to us. It was so simple. And um, it's nice. so helpful. Yeah. yeah, that's really cool. So we've had different things at different times. Um, our autistic child is on the severe end, so he can't have a conversation about emotions. We work on identifying mad, sad, happy, like very basic emotions, but he can't really have a conversation like that. Mm-hmm. So when he was a younger kiddo, he didn't have issues with anger and aggression then, but he was so 
hyper. I need energy <laughs> to spare. I mean, I remember times at church. If only like, you could bottle it. Oh, I know. I wish I had You'd that be rich. Much. But I would hold him up by his arms off the ground at church, and his little legs would just be kicking, and he'd be smiling. And I mean, it was just like he was a motorboat, you know, oh, constantly. Funny. So, um, but when he was younger, he really needed really heavy sensory input. Um, not light sensory input, but super heavy. So he would lay on the ground and I would get the couch cushion in between us and I would literally like lay on top of him. Oh, wow. And that would calm him and soothe him quicker than anything. How in the world did you figure that out? Uh, it was like occupational therapy (laughs) was a big, and just like the, the teachers that specialize in autism at the schools that he was going to would kind of teach us those things. Mm -hmm. So, um, he really really liked swinging, but not Mm -hmm. just like gentle swinging. Mm -hmm. Like, I mean, like you, your heart stops as a mom kind of, (laughs) I mean, everything had to be bigger and better, or Mm -hmm. it's like he couldn't really process it or feel it. Um, but those were things that made him happy and helped him stay calm and bring his energy level down just a little bit. Mm-hmm. We had those. We used those yeah. same ones, even uh-huh. though he was verbal. We yes. had a weight jacket. Yep. Uh huh. And um, we had a trampoline. Uh huh. Yeah. The very same thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Tracy has yeah. one too. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> huh? And sitting on our heads. Oh, really? Really? Yeah. 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 I would find them. I'm like, why? Uh-huh. And I finally asked the doctor, why does he watch TV sitting on his head? And she said, it's the pressure. It's a downward pressure. Uh-huh. So oh, you can wow. go up to him and you can put yeah. all of your weight on him when he's upset and on his head if you can touch him. Sometimes uh-huh. if they're upset, you can't touch him. Yeah. But if you can just see that they're kind of going out of control, that weight mm-hmm. brings yeah. them down. Yeah, it wow. does. It does. Yeah, yeah it, it really works well. well. Yeah. As he got older, like when he turned about 12 or 13, he kind of hit puberty at about that age. He was a younger puberty kind of kid. Mm -hmm. And we started seeing the anger and the aggression and he was breaking TVs and breaking iPads. And, you know, we all had bruises up and down our arms. Mm -hmm. And I mean, he was hitting and he was big then too, because he had hit like a growth spurt. He's a big boy. He's a big big boy. boy. Yeah. Yeah. He's a big, big boy. (laughs) Riley Tracy's got a really big son yes. too. Yes. Yeah. It's so fun. Yeah. All of you have actually. Yeah. And you can't meet them physically, no. you know, yeah. when they're, where they're at, especially when they've got all those hormones raging. And so we tried some of the same sensory things then and like nothing, nothing that we tried was working. Nothing the school tried was working. Oh, okay. We had tried lots of different interventions and finally we went to medication for him Mm. Um, because he again he's so low functioning you can't really have a conversation of you know how he's feeling necessarily a little bit but not much Um, and medication is the thing that just saved us Um, but it took forever to get the right medication that would get him to a point where he was safe Um, so had you you tried several I'm sorry medications yeah. yeah, yeah, we had gone through several different medications. We had tried like Abilify and Risperidone, and those are some of the first medicines they try for kids that are having mood issues. Mm-hmm. Um, and we tried a couple other ones. Um, and then finally we tried Seroquel, and that's the one that worked for him. And we had to like ramp it up really quickly to the maximum dose. Mm-hmm. Um, and he does great now. Like, I mean, where he was hitting us, 20 times a day before now it's like maybe once a month something happens and he you know yeah punch my arm or something like that which is 
a world better than yeah. we were at before, <laughs> and in such a much better place than before. So, so. just said, so did the other medicines not help at all, or did they have other side effects? So they helped a little bit, um, but they not nearly what we needed. I mean, it was, um, he was having to isolate at school because he wasn't safe to be around the other kids. And, you know, our kids at home. Oh, that probably makes it even worse. It does. I mean, and that's not good for a kid who already, like, he prefers to be isolated anyway. But, you know, you don't really want him to be isolating. Mm -hmm. Um, So that, I mean, that wasn't going to be a healthy situation for him. It wasn't healthy or safe for his teachers or our kids or other kids or anybody. So, Mm -hmm. um, yeah. So it, it does. I mean, when parents go the medication route, it can be a lifesaver, but it also can take years to get the right medications. So That's cool. I mean, yeah. that's, that's a good thing to hear about, though, mm-hmm. because sometimes you, you just don't know kind of which direction to go in. Yeah. yeah. And Tracy, with your 15-year-old, you guys did some holds, and I know you've done a lot to keep him busy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, he, um, with him... He, well, he was a sick baby. And so basically his, the first year of his life, I think I got two hours of sleep a night. Oh my gosh. Because he was a sick baby. And that was, you know. That's hard. That's so hard. Yeah. Reflux. He was aspirating. Mm -hmm. His oral motor skills were very poor. So we had to address that, which my occupational therapy background was so good and and being able to do that. Um, That's awesome. If I would go back in time, I would have a therapist, but I, I had him evaluated and they're like, you're doing everything that we would do. And I'm like, but I want you to do it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's uh-huh. such a good point, though, is, just because yeah. you need a break. Yeah. I mean, I think all moms need a break, but probably especially if you're in a situation like that. Yeah. Well, you still have to do the therapy after they leave and continue mm-hmm. it. So yeah. if they're right, that one hour is helpful to show you the knowledge, but if you've already got the knowledge, I just had to carry it out. Yeah. Yeah. So, but he, he um, also had a lot of sensory issues and still does. So, you know, just with my knowledge of that, we did a lot of deep pressure, heavy work, um, vestibular type things to help. Can you go into the details a little bit more about like what that looks like? Well, with him, um, I'm trying to think when he was younger, a lot of it, he was just kind of out of control. And so if I would come up and and give him like squeeze his arms and his legs and just give him that deep pressure, that was a calming thing. And then like when they were saying like, like sitting on your head, when you get that pressure into that, what, what that does is it helps the nervous system normalize. So then they actually can function in their environment okay, because if they're okay. out of control and think the input's going all over the place, they're out of all, they're kind of crazy and out of all. Oh, out that's of interesting. So if okay. you do that, that just helps calm them. So I did a lot of that. He also, when he was younger, he needed some boundaries. And so I would just even like put him in between my legs and give him some boundaries of like, um, you can play in this little area. Otherwise he was all over the place. Oh, so, okay. I'm just trying to remember what some yeah. of the stuff to... So that to, helped him yeah. feel yeah. more secure. Oversensitized by the environment. So she drew his environment down to where he could handle what was there. Right, mm-hmm. right. Yeah. And, you know, and that's why we have a trampoline for my, yeah. both my boys because the jumping is really good for them to get that energy out. Um, and then with my 15-year-old, we did a lot of push-ups and sit-ups. And I use that a lot for, like, discipline Instead of like, okay, you got to sit here and calm down. 
that wasn't going to help mm-hmm. him. Mm-hmm. He needed that physical input to get his brain and his nervous system in a better place so that he could talk to me in, mm-hmm. a, in a conversation or do his schoolwork or whatever. So we've used a lot of that. And now he, um, He's in, involved in a lot of sports. He does a lot of sports, football, and basketball. <laughs> and he's pretty awesome, actually. But the, re- my, the reason behind that is he does he functions better overall when he's doing that. Otherwise, he would just sit, and then he wouldn't get anything accomplished. But having some success in the sports, I think, has helped him overall, too, and he's getting that heavy work. I with football, I know people are always like, "Oh," but I'm like, "Oh, please be in football because he's, <laughs> that's so funny <laughs> because he's hitting people. He's getting that heavy oh, work yes. and that and running. he's huge, right? So he's like yeah. six foot. Yeah, plus. he's like. And probably what, six, 200, three, 230 pounds. 230 just, pounds. Just <laughs> <laughs> so I don't think you're going to be like doing that pressure work anymore. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But we also did, we, we stayed away from the um, medication route as long as possible. Mm-hmm. And I wouldn't have him on it, but school is so hard for him to focus and learn, especially with kids he wants to be social he wants to talk and there's so many distractions and so that's been really hard and he wants to be at school school and be social and he, he and he that. is very social he everybody is. loves him and he's mm-hmm. and he thrives in that. <laughs> but school wasn't going so well so we've um tried different medications and the first one was not good because it made him very aggressive I remember and he's that. big yeah. and it was very scary yeah <laughs> but we've tried a different medication this year and it seems to be helping him in in school yeah so that's kind of what has helped him and just he doesn't think of consequences Mm -hmm. and so just looking back now just being consistent 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 with what our discipline was and our um boundaries were he, I feel like he is like finally like, oh, if I do that, then I'm not going to get this. Mm-hmm. And so, but it just took a lot of consistency because he didn't learn the first time or the 20th time. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. Uh-huh. It was, you know, yeah, I with that. And we're at our 16 year old. I still don't see that. I am very consistent. If I say, no, this is no. Mm-hmm. And I will still be beat down for the next hour. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. You know, when, when a 16-year-old throws a two-year-old fit, it's, it can be pretty ugly. But, yeah, it, it will be two hours of, you're not listening to me. Why can't I have this? You're not listening to me. And in my face of telling me why no, I that's should. So, hard. Mm-hmm. so um, we don't have that. There, There is no. <laughs> well, I don't yeah. have that with my nine-year-old. Yeah. And, and I so, don't know. Yeah, he's 16, and we've been doing. The, I've been doing the same thing. Elaine can tell you, I'm very consistent with my nose. Mm-hmm. My nose mean no, and he, um, now that he's 16, I do let him. I stop long enough for him to completely tell me what he says, and then I will again say these no, mm-hmm. and then he'll say, "You're not listening to me," <laughs> <laughs> because he didn't get what he wanted. Yeah, right. Uh-huh. And so I can't be possibly listening to him if he didn't get what he wanted because yeah. this is the reason so now I should do what he said yeah uh-huh. um, I have so, the same problem <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So he has found some ways now that he's 16 to calm himself which is a good, good. point to know let mm-hmm. people know in autistic sometimes they do find their own 
ways in their own outlet. Mm-hmm. And his is That's cool. cards. He stacks. He's got these mm-hmm. cards that he trades and stuff, and he'll go in and he'll just concentrate on the cards and stacking them and into this neat pile. Um, but if you bump that table and you knocked them, you better be in ready because all his world just fell apart. Oh, yeah. And um, so things fall apart. The other thing that people don't understand is autistics um, kids don't have the same sensory as we do. Uh-huh. Pain doesn't have the same effect. Mm. You know, I found mm-hmm. out that at a very young age when I popped him on the butt, and it was like, oh, no big deal. Mm-hmm. I'm like, you know, normally you now go do what you're saying. He looks and he smiles. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, well, that felt good. <laughs> <laughs> and you go to the store and people are looking at you. Why don't you do something with that kid? And it's like, yeah, uh-huh. go for it. <laughs> Be my guest. Please help me. You know, you leave the store. You grab the child up uh-huh. and you, you leave. But you have to function in the real world. you got to get on a plane. Yeah. you got to get on um, a car. You've got to go to the store. Mm-hmm. And... Um, and you can dread it. I mm-hmm. even I wanted help. I wanted respite, but I'm going. Who can handle it? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Grandma doesn't have anything. Oh food. yes. <laughs> What's going on? Yeah. So you don't take a break. Yeah. And you don't take respite. Mm-hmm. And you desperately need it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, We've been in that same exact same boat and still are. Um, we kind of called it tag team parenting because it was really like, okay, I need to go to the store. So you stay at home with the kids and just kind of going back and forth like that. Or, you know, you one of our kind of do that had, with your jobs. Yes, we do with our jobs. We work opposite schedules, opposite days so that one of us is home all the time. I mean, our kids have never, I mean, especially our autistic kid, but even our others, like they can't do daycare, you know, they can't, you know, I mean, I do have friends that I could say, can you watch my kids? And I know that they would, but also I know it would be stressful for my kids and it would be stressful for the friend that comes and watches them too. And ultimately it would end in <laughs> a meltdown either while the friend was there or after they left, you know. <laughs> the, the autistic, having an autistic child or an emotional child in the house is very difficult. Um, our organization, Camp Sakonsa in Belize, we're, this coming year, that's one of the goals is to set up a respite mm-hmm. where I train some people and I just go, go to the house and just ask, we're going to send you somebody just to sit with your child for an hour. They're going to play with them. They're going to do things. And I don't care if you stay or leave, but it gives you time to do the dishes. Mm-hmm. It gives you time just to break away. And it's mm-hmm. so important. And even with an emotional child, like my daughter is going through a lot. When you have an autistic child in the house, the whole emotion of everybody gets affected. Mm-hmm. And um, and then the other children show it in a different way. <laughs> and our daughter um, just dealing with adoption, um, the fact that she was adopted, the fact that she was abandoned, um, all of these things that happened caused her to do emotional things that I was like, oh, my gosh. And I had no idea because you're so focused on one child that sometimes the other ones slip through the crack. Mm-hmm. Yes. And then by the time you see what's happening in their world, it's no longer a slight thing. You're now in an emergency situation. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And now you've got another, two children in the house, one at this end and one an emotional crisis. Mm-hmm. And um, it becomes that same roller coaster. Now you're going, okay, I've got some things figured out here. You've got to take care of the autistic. Let me take care of the emotional child. Mm-hmm. And what do you do? Mm-hmm. Do you go on medications for um, depression? We've seen a lot of depression. 
Um, you, you try to find counselors. You try to find somebody that will help you diagnose what's going on. And I think Tracy said, you know, she's still in a situation where, because of COVID, there's no diagnose because everybody's busy. Mm-hmm. I'm in that same situation in uh, Belize because there's nobody there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's not, oh, yeah. You know, you go to the churches for the counselors, but there's no professional counselors there. There's nobody professional that's worked with autistic kids. Mm-hmm. So the medical situation in our our area is zilch. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so we struggle with what do we do? How do we do this? How do we handle this? How can I bring my level of my home that's now in a screaming mode mm-hmm. um, and down to peace again? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, one day, one hour, you know, you go one hour, one hour, what, give me one hour. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you run a, a camp for special needs kids in Belize, and that's one of the goals is to have some respite, respite. for for families with special needs children. We offer event days, which is kind of like a respite for the parent because I have people that will play with their kids. <laughs> so then they get to talk to other parents, which is really cool because this is the first time they've gathered like we are today and go, what did you do in this? Or what happened when you did this? Mm-hmm. So now they can communicate back and forth. So They don't that, feel alone. They, they get ideas. Alone. Right. Mm-hmm. So that's what um, we've been doing for the last two and a half years. And so giving them a respite day, a family day, mm-hmm. where they can actually play with the other kids. Mm-hmm. Because sometimes your whole focus is on your child with special needs. Mm-hmm. And you don't get to play with the other kids because there's no time. Mm-hmm. Um, everything is, and besides the fact, if there is time, you're so exhausted, you just want to go, let me breathe for three seconds. Um, yeah. And mm-hmm. playing and the other kids are missing out. Right. So this is an opportunity for them to go over because our equipment is set up both for special needs kids and for other children. And they have some really cool playground equipment. Yeah, we That's have awesome. some climbing walls. We have um, some swings for, you can take a wheelchair on the swing. And mm-hmm. So the environment is set up for the whole mm-hmm. whole scheme of the mm-hmm. family. Mm-hmm. And so respite is really important, even if it's just a few hours. Mm-hmm. What are some ways you guys have gotten like assistance or respite or help? I mean, I know some of you do have done school, like so... Um, in, in some ways that's been help or you've done counseling or um, I don't know what all. So, um, I mean, you've got one at home now because the school situation was uh, ended up badly. <laughs> yeah. 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 That was, and that's just been a recent thing that's happened. Um, as far as um, my youngest, he's no longer in school. We, um, he's at home with me and, trying to figure out homeschooling and what that looks like. (laughs) And so, which then I, and my husband right now is in a very busy season. So he's not home that much as far as work goes. It's enabled me not to have to work so that I can focus on him, but yet then I don't have that support Mm -hmm. from him. So, right. But in the past, um, so, I mean, I don't want to be, I don't want to like make that a little issue because it's a huge issue you know, finding help. But in the past, he has had some good help at the school when the situation was better, hasn't he? And also yeah, 15-year-old? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I with our 15-year-old, we have found really good help through the school, and they've done an amazing job with him and been a huge support. Oh, that's great. And I think that's really helped him to be where he's at today mm-hmm. because of that. Um, so would that be like counselors or coaches or it was more the teachers. Okay. (laughs) And, um, 
like a, there was a specialist, a dyslexia specialist in the schools that worked. Oh, with wow. Yeah, that is neat. And so, and just um, like going into middle school, the, the principal and the assistant principal were, did a phenomenal job with him. Mm, that's wonderful. I felt like with him as far <clears throat> as doing, doing that. And then just coaches. That's awesome. In his life. And so I felt like he had just some really good good input that way. My my nine year old, um, when we started out, there was a really good principal at the school who took on trauma and studied it and oh, learned so about cool. it. And mm-hmm. I felt like she kind of um, influenced the rest of the staff that way and helped them understand. He had a phenomenal teacher as a first grader that I sat down and and talked with her, and she was able to to work through things with him, and we had no issues that year. Then fast forward to COVID, the principal went away, new teacher, couldn't get into the schools, the kids are all crazy, and the teachers are all crazy, and the principal did not understand how to help him and did some things that were actually worked against the what, progress what it needed what a trauma kid needed and did some things that probably put him into more trauma mm-hmm. and so that's why we had to pull him out um to get him away from that even though he didn't understand that because he wanted to be there for his friends but the things that were happening were not good and so so now um yeah so now he's home and I'm homeschooling but I'm also knowing that he's a very social kid so I'm trying to figure out how we what to do everything is full at capacity uh, yeah, and I so yeah and so counseling's at capacity everything's at capacity mm-hmm. so it's just him and I trying to navigate this right now and figure it out um I do know that I need respite so I have put myself in counseling yay <laughs> I have had a counselor like, for myself really but not point, yeah. <laughs> I mean isn't that a really good point though yeah because you need that yeah but then I was like how do I get to the counselor yeah. without him and so just trying to navigate that but I have hired um a girl who's 18 and she's come in um we just started it so she's coming in like a couple times for just a couple hours a week and hopefully that can continue that just gives me a break and I'm like I don't care if he watches tv I'm leaving <laughs> <laughs> there's a, that's true though but you just need yeah that. there's uh-huh. an organization here in Kansas City in Overland Park called Soars uh-huh yeah, I'm going to put a plug in for them, um, because they have respite, free respite for parents with special needs children. Oh, wow. Um, they were doing it online with COVID. They would have play oh, games wow. on with Zoom and have the kids just sit and talk to them, play games or whatever they could. Um, but it's a good organization to get a hold of. Um, the owner, they call Doc. Um, but it's called SOARS. S-O-A-R-S. Okay, S-O-A-R-S. Yeah, they're mm-hmm. out of Overland Park, Kansas. Um, if you don't live in this area, okay. national, nationwide, okay. And they also have uh, summer camps. Oh, and oh um, wow! I have to put a link in the description. Yeah, they're really mm-hmm. a. Uh, we kind of hooked up with them a little bit and pl- plucking their brains for <laughs> what we can do in Belize and what they do here, and found that that is an awesome source. They generally send an email of what's going on and when it's going on. And oh, I need that. It's a, it's a really good program, so if you are struggling with some of these things, it's a good source that's mm-hmm. available here locally. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
but they yeah. have them all over as well. They have pretty much reached out quite a ways. I just know of this one here. I do know that they they're um, they don't just serve this area. Mm-hmm. They do serve many areas. Yeah, that's a it's a <clears throat> resource to have because yeah. that's because um, I'm thinking okay, we're going to be doing this for the next semester, then we're going to go into the summer, and how are we going to mm-hmm. survive all of this? That's your nine-year-old, yeah. he does have the communication skills. Yeah. So even with COVID, he may be able to get online, and you've got somebody to sit there and play something. Well, and that's, I think that's one of the triggers, too, with the virtual stuff, because yeah. mm-hmm. they were doing school, and that's when he kind of went haywire. So. Well, they used to be in-home. They used to give mm-hmm. their respites in-home, so... I don't know what their new yeah, situation do, is. But, in the new walls. but just even summer camps, that would be yeah. a, a real helpful. Mm-hmm. We're trying to do the camps, and uh, we'll start our first overnight camp next year in at, in Belize. But it'll be a family camp because mm-hmm. the first thing that you find out is that um, a lot of parents with special needs children, like I said in the beginning, I'm going, who's going to take care of my child? Mm-hmm. How are they going to take care of them? Mm-hmm. Are they, you know, are they going to remember that you can't do this or you can't do that? Mm-hmm. So um, we're starting out the camps with the parents there and getting them involved. They'll have their own art classes as their kids travel around so that they can feel comfortable um, about your child being at the camp. Oh, that's neat. Yeah. It's real important, I think, for for families with autistic children to know that whoever they have their child with, that they're not going to have a situation that's going to make it worse. Right, yeah. And we're hoping to even put in, I'm trying to get another group as soon as we finish this, First building, we have orders of building, but we will actually have a sensory house. Oh, cool. Right, that will be able to take, if somebody's having trouble, they can pull a child in, and it's a sensory, it's a down room, it's something that they can... Like a calming area. Yeah. calming area, mm-hmm. because um, even though you try to keep things, you know, not too active, all my colors are, are bland, you know, mm-hmm. we go with two colors in the camp, pretty much around the camp, and so you don't stimulate, overstimulate them. Mm-hmm. Even an emotional child, like I said, um, can be overstimulated yep. by their surroundings mm-hmm. and by what's not there or what is there. Mm-hmm. And until they react, you don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, and it's interesting because my, my nine-year-old, you know, because he's very verbal and very, you know, aware, He'll if he's out of control, when, when he gets to that place, he comes to me and he's like, squeeze me. And he wants, nice, he communicates that. That's he, really cool. Yeah. yeah. And so, um, so, yeah, but I have done a lot of squeezing and hugging and pressure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Roll up into burritos. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. That's a great tool, honestly. Our emotional daughter, um, she's finally coming up and going, she only has two emotions that that I know of. I'm, I'm sad and I'm okay. <laughs> she has more, but she's having trouble communicating. She's, yeah, well, she's having trouble understanding what, you're what she's feeling. Yeah, right. So, but we've got some. I mean, that's good. So now she'll just say, I'm, uh, or lonely. Mm-hmm. So she'll say, I need a hug. I'm lonely. So we're getting to where, because um, with somebody who's going through a lot of emotional, um, if they're not autistic and they're, they're just struggling as part of this whole dynamics, um, for them to, to come up to you and say, I need something, mm-hmm. is so helpful. Because mm-hmm. like we've talked about, you're in the middle of dealing with this child over and over and over. You don't even know, you didn't notice the other needs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so um, we're learning to talk to the other children in your household and go, I am I'm being pulled constantly. This, and it's really important to have sit-down meetings at the table. You know, eat at the table. We so much entertain ourselves while we eat. 
Sitting at a table allows you to listen to all the children. If you can, sometimes my autistic child takes over the table, but mm-hmm. sometimes we're okay. <laughs> and, and that they need to understand they have to talk to you. Mm. They have to tell you, I'm lonely. I'm mad. This makes this upsets me. Mm-hmm. Um, and they have to be able to do that freely, which is hard for if you're already on your 100 and stand up here emotionally that the child comes in and goes I'm lonely it's like well do something or I'm bored I'm like play the floor (laughs) (laughs) call somebody Uh that's not a good response (laughs) we have not (laughs) 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 and we had that same struggle with our 16 year old she's the one with bipolar and trauma history and she couldn't define her emotions. Mm-hmm. Um, when she first started having I, having outward emotional issues, she was about 12 years old. Prior mm-hmm. to that, we thought everything was okay. Yeah. Everything was, she was a little bit harder to handle, but she was okay. Um, but then all of a sudden, she was suicidal all the time, and she was acting out, and she had anger, and she had aggression, and it just kind of snowballed from there. But when we started counseling with her, we realized like she really only knows mad, sad, and happy. And that was it. Mm. And that's not normal for like a 12 or 13 year old girl. Mm -hmm. They should be able to have some knowledge and understanding of other emotions besides that. And so one of the counselors gave us this emotion wheel that you, yeah, that has, I mean, it has like all kinds of emotions on there, but we had to start with just like, you know, you're not necessarily sad. Maybe you're bored. Like every down mm-hmm. emotion to her was sad. Mm-hmm. Um, she didn't know how to say anything else. And any like um, excitable emotion was either happy or mad. And there was nothing in between. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it's hard. You can't expect a kid to be able to process their emotions if they don't even understand them. Right. Oh, wow. Or yeah. can't even name them to start with. That even frustration. Yes. Yeah. Uh-huh. That would have been an angry. Yes. That would have just would been be- a mad. You know, frustration would have been a mad emotion. She wouldn't have been able to define that then. Has the chart worked for you as far as, because we have it on the board, but Uh I'm still not seeing. um, So she definitely doesn't know the whole, you know, gamut of emotions on there, um, but she knows enough that she can process her own emotions now. That's cool. um, that so cool. That's the, the wheel was really important in the beginning and now we don't use it as much anymore. Yeah. So, um, but it did help her. But it did help. To... Yeah. Yeah. And now, you know, thinking about it, we should really bring it back. Um, now that she's gained some other skills some other coping skills and things like that, it probably would be more help now but yeah on our, on our non-verbal kids at the camp mm-hmm. we had a um you can make they have boards on the ipads now but they're real nice where they can push and tell you i want to go to the bathroom i'm mm-hmm. frustrated i'm this or that mm-hmm. so we made them up because we just drew little pictures and we put it on there and you slide them in the boards and that was oh. kind of nice and we, oh, one of them we put a velcro on the back mm-hmm. of it you know i want to go to the bathroom or things that you want them to do all day Mm-hmm. Um, I, I find that I did foster parenting for nine years mm-hmm. um, I was a foster parent and I found that uh, having a schedule is 90% of helping the child reorganize who they are and wow. so we took little 
the little Velcro stickers and we would put the organizations and then we would have them peel off when they'd done that particular mm-hmm. thing. Yeah, yeah Tracy's a chart queen and Abby's got lots of them too. We've used the same, I think, for all of these types of kids we're talking about, no yeah. matter what their diagnosis are, like knowing what's going to happen first, second, and third is very calming and soothing to them. So I think that that's a good thing to bring well, out as a calming. A, a visual mm-hmm. Yeah, the visual, sure too. Yeah, you know, not just yes, not just the, the words, words uh-huh. a visual picture with. Yeah, yeah. so I yeah. Have, even with our sixteen-year-old, you know, I have to go with uh, with him and his autism, autistics. Um, you can't change on them in an instant. You can't say, okay, it's time to go. Um, that's going to cause a meltdown. Mm-hmm. So it's. Ten minutes till we leave. Uh-huh. Five minutes till we leave. <laughs> yeah. Three minutes till we leave. Yeah. Okay, we're leaving in two minutes. Do you have your shoes on? <laughs> this is a sixteen-year-old, you know. Yeah. People don't understand this. You don't do it to a sixteen-year-old. They're like, we're gonna leave in fifteen minutes. Be in the car. Yeah. You know, but uh, even even in, with foster care kids or with uh-huh. um, children who have been through emotional situations in their life, it's still important, even as into their adulthood, what you consider. A time that you're going, why am I still doing this? Because you still have to. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, it, it does wear on you. Because uh-huh. you would like to walk out the door and go, hey, guys, we're going to go. And they're in the car. Just pause in the car. Yeah. yeah. And, Yay. And, <laughs> yeah. How did that happen? <laughs> this is the first time I had three when I started. <laughs> <laughs> I lost somebody. <laughs> Yeah. In addition to the schedule, we do a lot of first this, then that. So sometimes mm-hmm. Wyatt loves taking baths, and he wants to take a bath all the time, but we can't always take a bath. <laughs> so sometimes it's, you know, first dinner, then bath. And if he has something, like, non-preferred, like having to eat a dinner, then something preferred after that, then mm-hmm. it makes it a little more of a smooth process. I find the same thing. It's uh, if you want your breakfast, you need to be dressed for school. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Because... Yeah. Then I've got half of my chore done. <laughs> yeah. Because yep. the company are hungry, and I was like, ah, you're not dressed. They'll come back and no shoes on. This is 16 year old still. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> I'm like, please put your shoes on if you're going to come to the table, you know, have everything. Oh, I see. Dressed. So that's how you don't have to struggle with it later. Um, no. 90% of the time, we're struggling with shoes. Shoes are a big issue. <laughs> Somehow between the kids. You mean they're, you're in the lead, it's hot. You can't just go barefoot everywhere. <laughs> I don't like to. That's, that's why we do it around the house. So putting on shoes for school. Oh, it's like and, a big right. uh-huh. deal. We have just started our, we've been homeschooling for. <laughs> Tracy's laughing because she never can get into her shoes. Yeah. Don't worry about it. It's okay. Barefoot in January. Right? Well, yeah. yeah. Actually, I've got them to get shoes on. In the house, and then I see him running down the street taking them off. You know, in Belize, they were what they call slippers, but we would call flip flops. Yeah. Uh-huh. The men come to work in them. Oh, Nails, sheetrock. Uh, oh, oh, wow. So shoes are not an issue, really. So if they don't wear shoes, it's okay. <laughs> but when they go to school, unfortunately, it is they have issue. to wear shoes. Yeah. Uh, the first time I came back to church here, I take off my shoes in church and in Belize. I mean, it's just that you look down the aisle. We all got no, we had no how many shoes on, all of us mamas. <laughs> and I come back here and I was talking at one of the church and I had taken off my shoes and then they called me up to talk. Oh. I got through the talk and put sit down across my legs and realized that I had just went up on the stage and I had no shoes on. <laughs> so, okay, no problem. Whoops. <laughs> so, but yeah, shoes don't seem to be a huge issue and I don't know uh-huh. um, what the deal is. It's the confinement of the toes. I don't know. And well, 
if a child is such a sensory object, mm-hmm. you've desensitized them because our hands are free, our arms we can kind of feel, but really in your shoes, that bottom sole. Oh, yeah, you can't feel anything at that point. That is interesting. It desensitizes the foot. They can't really feel as much as they want. Which is interesting because a lot of kiddos with autism do not like the feel of like the grass or different mm-hmm. surfaces on their feet. Mm-hmm. So and yet they don't like the confinement of the shoe or the the seam of the sock. The sock. Yeah. <laughs> you just can't win. Shoes are bad. Now, Abby, you found some other uh, things that have helped with your kids, like outside sources. Yeah. Um, so with my 16-year-old, um, we sought out counseling. Um, and so she started seeing a counselor when she was about 12 years old. And I wish I'd done that sooner, but I, it was one of those. I didn't know that there was an issue until then, mm-hmm. until there was a big issue. So um, we sought out counseling for her. We had her start seeing a psychiatrist as well um, when she was about that age. Um when things would get really bad, we would have to take her to like a pediatric psychiatric emergency center Mm -hmm. to get some help. Um, And that's usually when it would raise to the level of either she wasn't safe with herself or she wasn't safe with us anymore. Mm -hmm. Um, We'd have to go there. And sometimes she'd have to stay for a couple days or a week or so to try to kind of get through crisis. Um, We also, for both of our special needs kids, they both have IEPs in the school, um, which every special needs kid, you know, will have. And so they get additional help there. Our 16-year-old has uh, the ability to, you know, take tests in different ways. And she Mm -hmm. can um, request to go outside of class to talk to one of the counselors anytime she wants to Mm -hmm. and... Um, she has like a IA, an assistant, you know, teacher that comes with her to any classes that aren't special education classes mm-hmm. to kind of help her manage her behavior and manage um, her thoughts and feelings and things like that. And then with our 15 year old, he has a um, IA or a para every single moment of the day when he's at school because he needs that kind of direct supervision. Um, but he gets that's great. occupational therapy services and speech therapy services and that sort of thing. So, Oh, that's awesome. And as far as at home, it is hard to find, you know, respite and that support that you need at home. Um, we even, for our 15-year-old, he qualifies for some state aid for respite. So, like, they'll even pay for somebody to come in. But you have that issue of who would I trust <laughs> to watch my kid? You know, being able to find somebody is a whole different story than being able to financially do it. So, mm-hmm. um, right, because yeah. sometimes, well, it, there's more, there's bigger issues to deal with when you do it. So it's like, do you do it and then have to deal with the bigger issues that uh-huh. come yes. from that? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Well, and with him, like he can't report anything that happens oh, that's not good. Oh, so right. we've always been super cautious about who we leave him with because if something inappropriate or bad would happen, he wouldn't be able to tell us. Like yeah. we, we would definitely mm-hmm. see something in his behavior. I'm sure that wouldn't be great, but we wouldn't be able to know that's what, what the happens. Cameras, the yes. cameras are so important yes. nowadays that you can put them around mm-hmm. the house. And, yeah. Um, but there again, you're rea- It's after the fact. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, you're now dealing with oh crud. Yeah. Um, you know, we have to deal with the issue. And I Tracy talked about um, homeschooling now, bringing a mm-hmm. child home. We found ourselves in the same situation. Uh, with our oldest son, mm-hmm. and um, 
we had to bring him in too. Not that he didn't have good IEPs, mm-hmm. but that um, he was so overloaded with the sensors that he could no longer function in the classroom. Mm-hmm. Um, he also has tremors um, in this, whatever they're called, some mild tremor in his hand, which we had trouble with writing and stuff. So um, he would have writing skills, and the mm-hmm. IEPs helped him take verbal tests and things. But we found that we had to bring him in because of the situation. And we did that until we hit high, high school. So I've done that since about second grade. You homeschooled him? Homeschooled. Mm-hmm. And homeschooling is a great option, except now it's 24-7. Mm-hmm. Yeah. With the emotional. Yeah. Um, and, and Tracy's not in her head. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> I tend to fall apart more myself. Uh-huh. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, because yeah. I didn't know what to do. Mm-hmm. He didn't want to do his homework. There was a lot more screaming matches. Um it, it's, um, I struggled. I kept, Elaine was great help on that. She's like, just teach the basics, math, English, reading, you know, the five basics. And I'm like, okay, my eyes will have a hundred at this point. <laughs> um, because even that was difficult. Um, so she, she was also a great help on that. And she stopped, throw the book out of it. The book's not working. Pick something else that you can teach by, mm-hmm. you know? So we started games on the floor Oh, cool. um, that were that were math games and you had to jump from you know I'd give the math and then he'd had to jump to the number and um, that helped in teaching math and remembering he's extremely smart extremely smart kid and so that's part of the challenge too is that he was so smart and that yet he couldn't sit and do a book yeah, yeah. <laughs> Tracy's just laughing. <laughs> I mean, that's like typical boy anyway, yeah. like after homeschooling really six is. kids, right? But when you add on all the extras, that's uh-huh. ADA in there, yeah. throwing a little of this and that. Um, that's not, it's just not a good environment for a child that is that way. Homeschooling is, is, is a good option, but you have to be creative. And I would pull for people who were. Elaine, <laughs> a lot of times, and that would help in the situation. He is now 16, and this is the second year he's in high school, but our high schools are not similar to yours. I mean, he has 11 kids in his class, I think. Yeah. Um, and he and the teachers, they don't move out of their classroom. The teachers move to them. Hmm. So um, it's a really good environment for a child with this type of learning disabilities mm-hmm. and stuff. That's great. So um, he is doing well. This year. Great. I'm so thankful. But I put him back in school because I thought I'm not going to make it the next year. One of us is going to get hurt. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, We had come. I had met my peak. I was Mm -hmm. done. Mm -hmm. Um, I could no longer deal with it. And I said, you're out. Yeah. Yeah. And that's why I'm looking for other options because I know that this will lead with my son. I just Mm -hmm. feel like it's, it's better off. I want to be his mom. And not his be, teacher, too. And not his all teacher. And he yeah. wants me to be his mom. He wants me to be loving and nurturing mm-hmm. and caring. And when I'm teacher, I'm you have to get this to do done. This and yeah. He does. He yeah. And so mm-hmm. we'll mm-hmm. figure out what that looks like. I think going back to finding help in just families that are in this scenario, what's really hard to get that respite 
is you're spending a lot of money already on trying to find help for your child, mm-hmm. you know, whether it's through counseling or psychiatrists or, or whatever. And then for you to find respite, like me, I'm like, okay, now I'm paying for counseling. Now I'm paying for a sitter to come in. And, yeah. and so it's just, it's like this vicious cycle because, you know, you have to have the money to be able to do it, but yet you can't work. I mean, so it's just yeah. that yeah. support is just, it's, it's really hard to... It's- that's why SOARS and some of these other, yeah. other organizations that are finally coming along beside mm-hmm. parents. And yeah, understanding hey, that. We understand you can't pay for it. Mm-hmm. Yes, but, yes. Um, mm-hmm. Finding just um, friends who have been there, done that. I think being able to talk to people about <clears throat> that have walked through it helps so much, yes. too. Mm-hmm. I know when our six now 16-year-old was at her you know, hardest, her worst in her mental health, I like wanted to keep it a secret, you know, because it's like most people don't have to deal with a suicidal teenager. They don't have to deal with a kid who's aggressive. And, you know, I want to just say something about that, though, because I love that you're talking about it, because Mm -hmm. I think that we think that and it's not always true. True. That is true. And I think that's why as a parent, I mean, you just feel like such a failure because Uh I mean, you know, we're dealing, we've dealt with yeah. some of the same, th- you know, and things you and like, I have friends that have I had, yeah, you kids know, in the psychiatric like ward. And, uh-huh. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. I think it's, I guess it's probably more that people just don't talk about it, but you really need to talk about it when yeah. you're in the throes of it, especially. So, and of course you also want to protect your child, you yes. know, and you don't, right. they don't want to be necessarily exposed emotionally. So yeah. sometimes you have to be a little bit careful, Yeah, yeah. but you know, I'm so glad that you get to be on here to share that yeah. because she's kind of past that and she's she in is. a really good place. She's in a really good place now, but I've been, I've been where Tracy's at before, you know, I've totally been there. I've been where you've been at and I'm sure you've been, you know, <laughs> we can say that back and forth here. And, uh, it, it's helpful to have people that you can talk to. For anyway. sure. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I was shocked this year and a friend told me that her son mm-hmm. had, um, tried to commit suicide. I'm like, mm-hmm. I had no idea. Mm-hmm. And um, it was only because I had spoke about my struggle mm-hmm. that she felt comfortable to speak about it too. Yeah. And I don't so, know what's going on with so, the computer, uh, but it's, <laughs> it's really trying to get our attention. We do need to talk to talk about it, and uh-huh. I, I think it's more of what am I doing wrong? Yeah. Um, it's more of embarrassment. It's uh-huh. more of oh, you know. You don't have this problem. Why am I having this problem? And yeah, um, I don't want to be a burden. That's my yes. issue. Yeah. yeah, and I don't want my kid to be ostracized from. Yes. Like if I talk to somebody at church about it, I don't want them to yeah. then be like, "Oh, I don't want my kid to be around like, your kid." Yeah, mm-hmm. they do oh, that. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've, I've seen that. Actually. Yeah, oh, I've seen absolutely. That. Yeah. So it's that um, you're right. It's it becomes a big secret. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. And it's a struggle, and it, can, it can't be because mm-hmm. we need help. And I thought, even going, my daughter's now in um, high school, mm-hmm. and right off the bat, we get, we'd come so far. The response of a teacher was absolutely wrong. It was online, and she embarrassed her in front of the whole class. She degraded her in front of the whole class, and she apologized later after I come down like a wild mama. <laughs> The mama bear came out. Oh, I was more than a mama bear. I was ready to rip some everything off. I'm going to kill this woman. Like, we are having enough trouble without you making yeah, it. Yeah, it's just this point, and you have taken us back to square one. And that was really um, a whole big struggle. Mm-hmm. And I had thought that their counseling had talked to one another. 
and told some of the teachers what we were dealing with in the summer that hadn't been spoken because mm-hmm. of the same thing. They didn't want to say anything if she didn't want to do this or it was an embarrassment to the child or embarrassment to the mom. Uh-huh. And because of that, this teacher's response may have been appropriate for another child, but was absolutely inappropriate mm-hmm. for mine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And because of their lack of understanding, my lack of communication and saying, go ahead and let people know, mm-hmm. we had a situation that came down horrible. And I had a child that was back to cutting. Mm-hmm. Oh, and wow. we had just got out on it. Mm-hmm. Sorry, I don't have any idea why so this is. We had to steam. go square one. And um, when you back, child, when you work so far and you go back to one, that's not, you're mm-hmm. very frustrated at it. It is. So it's really important that other people know your struggles. Mm-hmm. And, um, and there again, who do you tell that's not going to open their mouth? Mm-hmm. You know, so it should be safe in the church, but we all know we got gossipers in the church as well mm-hmm. as we got gossipers. Yeah. So you have, but you have to be able to communicate to somebody. The school has to know this is the things that are inappropriate. The teachers have to know this is the mm-hmm. things that are inappropriate mm-hmm. and why they're inappropriate yeah. for your particular child. And I'm a, I'm a big fan of giving people grace when they do have a reaction that's not appropriate for my kid because I can tell you before I had an autistic kid, I knew nothing about it. I would not have known how to care for or react to an autistic child. Mm-hmm. And before having a child with bipolar and trauma, I didn't know anything about any of that, yeah. you know, yeah, or yeah. what, you know, their needs are and what their struggles are going to be. And of course, every kid with these diagnoses is a little bit different too. So mm-hmm. it's a, a huge learning curve for me with both of these, you know, both of my kids that I know I don't expect other people to like fully understand it, but I just hope that they will try to understand it before making any judgment or anything like that. Well, as long as they work with you, they're willing to work with you and Uh better the situation. Yes, absolutely. The first time grandma babysit it, I think I had a page and a half (laughs) notes. Yeah, I got this. <laughs> yeah. John and I had been trying to get away on a vacation. This is a little side note here for years and just had never been able to do it. And grandma came to watch the kids uh, while we went to New York. And it was it, this was huge for us. We had mm. never left them alone, especially for any length of time for a couple of days. And I did. I had the daily schedule and I had this is what he'll eat. This is what he won't eat. These are the medicines. This is I mean, and this yeah. is the pediatrician and this is her psychiatrist. Oh. And like, here's their numbers. And I mean, she didn't need any of that. But <laughs> yeah, I, I did the same thing. Yeah. <laughs> It's a different atmosphere. It is, yeah. But what I did find out is that he reacts differently to somebody else. In the oh, that's interesting. That he does with me. His, um, he could, he could. Not that that, you know, that shouldn't be like unexpected, really. Yeah, but you know, you know, think about but, it. Okay, so I wanted you guys to kind of end with maybe some um, unexpected positives that have that maybe you've experienced, you know, with your special needs kids. You know, because sometimes there's positives with them that you don't get, you know, necessarily with what you would, a kid that doesn't have special needs. Right. So what are some of those things? Creativity, I find, is so awesome. You know, you're like, wow. Um, Just the funny things that they they think. You have to take time to pay attention because you're so wrapped up in this emotional thing that's going on. But um, I find that Ezekiel is very creative, and he can come up with some 
crazy things. And then, and now that he's gotten older, so I pay attention to any small thing that he's done for me mm-hmm. is a huge accomplishment. Mm-hmm. You know, something to come up and he goes, how are you doing today? And you're like, I'm, I'm, I'm doing good. <laughs> that's a big thing. I mean, yeah. That's something you don't get very often. And so, or to, he'll walk up and hug me. Mm-hmm. And um, those are just really cool times. And uh, when he, when uh, things are quiet in the house and they're playing nice and are uh, wonderful. Yeah, moments. yeah. Uh-huh. They're, they're, they're more special. They are because it's unexpected. Mm-hmm. And the unexpected be Becomes really special. That's cool. Mm-hmm. I know, like with your daughter, like she's so happy and she's just the sweetest girl. <laughs> I just love her. She is. Uh, I think that one of the positives, as far as she's concerned, is that she is so loving and so well attached. Um, and that did not come easily. I mean, that. Like with other kids, I think that that is just kind of natural that they attach to their parents and that sort of thing. But it took a lot of work. And so I think I know I feel a lot of pride in that, you know, that we've been able to um, get her to a point that she's totally attached to our family and she just loves everybody so much. So that's awesome. That's definitely been one of the positives. And then I think um, with our son. Um, celebrating the really small victories. Like you just look for any little sign of improvement, any little um, new skill that they get. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also like he is a sweet and innocent child forever. Yeah. I mean, yeah. he's a big man sized, hairy 15 year old. <laughs> he is a child forever. Like just this yeah. morning he woke up at 4 a.m. <laughs> but he comes in our room and he snuggles in between us That's all so 250 pounds <laughs> he snuggled between us in bed just like your kids do when they're like two wow. you know and it's every bit as sweet as a hairy 15 year old boy as it was when he was two so, yeah, and that's yeah. something that we're just always going to have he's always going to have that sweet tender young side mm-hmm. to him yeah, he cool. seems to really like delight in like certain yes, things, and it's just so sweet. <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. Santa, he loves Santa. So he also sings, doesn't he? He does. Yeah, he does. Most of it is like Disney songs, songs from different Disney movies. So you'll hear him <laughs> singing away. It out in uh-huh. the house. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> be awesome. our guest in a whole new world, and that all is this, so all cute. I didn't say much about the two younger children. They're both missing their right arms. And uh-huh. some of the special things is that um, I don't see anything they can't do. Uh-huh. Yeah, they're actually pretty darn amazing. <laughs> uh, Alicia is very, extremely talented. Her, her drawing is incredible. And they had a thing at school that they said, oh, now let's do, draw with your other hand. You know, well, her other hand is her foot. And everybody's struggling. And she picks up her pencil with her foot, and she's just drawing away with her foot. That's amazing. And we, we did OT for a long time, physical therapy, and... She learned how to use her toes as a hand. Mm-hmm. And some of those things just amaze me still, just mm-hmm. watching um, the things that we consider disability um, are just a different way. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's what neat. I always tell the kids. You can do it. It just might be different than mm-hmm. everybody else. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Well, well, for me, I have, I'll start with my 15-year-old. Um, just through all the hard stuff that we've been through with him he is my child today that if 
I, if he notices, he's the first one in the family that notices if I'm not in a good place and he'll oh, come up so to sweet. me and, and say, mom, are you okay? Oh, What's wow. going on? And so that, that is so positive. Mm-hmm. And I, and I, you know, step back and, and at a 15 year old, he loves to cook like just two nights ago. He, he's kind of an amazing cook. Actually. Yeah. And he, <laughs> he bakes ate, too. And he bakes. Yeah. He made an apple pie. Like wow. last week, I'm like, okay, he likes to eat too. So, <laughs> and I don't bake, so, so he's like, well, I'm going to do it then. But you know, he just, he made a hamburger, like this creation with cheese and I don't know, all this stuff and for himself. But then he's like, mom, do you want one? And I'm like, sure. So he made my hamburger and I'm like, but I want this on it. So he brought everything to me. Um, so that he takes care of our yard. He, put up our Christmas lights, you know, I didn't have to ask him and he just, so just some of those things, I'm like, you're going to make a good husband someday or not. Yeah. Good husband. (laughs) Cause he just, he, yeah. Just to see that has been really good for me just because we've gone through so many hard things with him. Mm -hmm. My nine year old, even as we're working through some hard stuff, just a positive that I've experienced with him. We were at a Christmas parade a couple nights ago and they're throwing out candy, which I was like, Oh no, please don't bring the candy into my house. <laughs> but um, <laughs> every mom's worst nightmare. <laughs> like I thought there was no candy at this parade. It was just lights. But, <laughs> but um, there was an older gentleman standing next to us and he was just like, Oh, I would really like a, a Reese's um, cup or whatever candy. And my son heard that. And so when he found, when he got thrown a Reese's, he went over to that guy and he gave that Reese's to him. And that, and that was just a positive as we're working through all of this defiance and aggression Mm -hmm. that that's his heart. And Mm -hmm. I got a little piece of like, that's who he is. Mm -hmm. And we just got to hear how to work through all the other stuff. Yeah. 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 That that's awesome. awesome. Mm-hmm. That's really cool. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He's also really smart. Yes. Like I, I didn't realize actually how smart he was until they came to vacation Bible school one year and I was teaching the story time mm-hmm. and I'm like, you know, asking the kids these questions and he keeps piping up and he like knows the Bible really well. <laughs> I was like, Whoa, you know, cause he, back then he wasn't even as old as he is now and he's not that old. So he was, it was at least two or three years ago. Yeah. He wants to read the Bible every night. Like that's every awesome. night he's like, mom, you got to read, read a Bible story to me. So oh, that's really that's cool. Good. Yeah. Well, it won't return void. Right. Yeah. That's right. So that is, yeah, that's a positive thing too. Yeah. Every night, no matter what's happened through the day, he wants me to sit down and read my Bible story. That's awesome. That is awesome. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you guys so, so much. I know you've encouraged so many people. So um, hopefully we can chat again about, you know, some of these subjects because it's so important. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for joining us. If you love this episode, make sure you share it with a friend. And don't forget to add this podcast to your list of favorites. Also, don't forget to get the book, Mom of Six Dies Laughing, and join us on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, YouTube at Imagine Mom. Have a great day. Thanks for listening.